those messages where sometimes you, you write into the passage and it's just the passage or just the text. Sometimes it releases you to sort of go to various parts of the Bible. It's the second one this morning. So there will be a number of Bible references. I'm not necessarily going to read all of them. But if, if you feel that you want to get something from the Word, it may be that you want to jog a note or two down, or you want to listen to it again. I don't say that with any vanity, but, you know, I listen to ministry again, and that's available on disc or through the, the podcast of Arena, and you're welcome to do that. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. This message has nothing to do with 11 o'clock. Nothing to do with 11 o'clock. We've got a, we've got a big crowd coming at 11. We've got... Uh, a, a very special occasion. We want God to really minister and move. We want him to bless the specific families that are involved in 11. We want families to be spoken to. We want people to have a great uh, um, experience of church. But this is 9 o'clock. You've come early, this early hour. And uh, I just sort of thought, well, as I was thinking of ministry and preparing ministry this week, you know, there's no way I can just sort of speak at, at 9 as all. You know, these folks have come and, you know, we'll just sort of ignore it. So this, this is nothing to do with 11, but I do think it's a word into the life of the church for this particular moment. So 1 Peter 1.13 says these words, Therefore, and you've got to know that great theological truth now, that if there's a therefore in the Bible, you've got to look what it's there for. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. We were speaking just last week, great time to be, in a sense, back together, people to and fro quite understandably during the holiday season, kids back at school, and you always know autumn's come when you have the last night of the proms, don't you? You know, you know I'm singing Jerusalem last night along with them, and uh, you know, so you just know the nights are pulling in, the seasons are changing, and uh, it's, it, it's a shift. But friends, there's not only a shift climatically, there's also a shift spiritually, and that's always good. And some churches never go into what God's got for them because they're unable to discern the shifts of seasons spiritually. There's a prophetic word from Isaiah that still rings true to the heart of progressive church in these days. In Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. A new thing. Yesterday, Sharon and me went to see my dad. He's 85 next. He lives in a nursing home up on top of Carton Hill in Nottingham. And uh, he's in great shape apart from a lack of mobility, which sort of caused him to sort of be in that situation. And a, and a great guy. And um, he's, he's sort of talking with this other elderly lady that seemed to have something about her, had not met her before, says, you're new to the home. She says, yeah. It was very evident she was a Christian. You know, so when she told us that she was a Christian, we weren't surprised. Something just came from this lady within two or three minutes of meeting. That's fantastic, isn't it? So he says, last week we went to La Water Street Church Assembly. God, just round the corner, this lady had sort of got a few things stirred. So they pushed them around in the chairs. He says, oh. He says, they had breakfast before the meeting. I says, yeah. yeah. And he says, there are a lot of young people in the church. I says, well, that's good, isn't it? The church has got a future. Yeah. And he says, I can remember the last time I was in Low Street. Now, the last time my dad was in Low Street, Noah was the preacher. I mean, he's that far back. Yeah. And he says, it's not how it used to be. They've changed the building. I says, yeah. So we're just falling about laughing because God's forever doing a new thing. And bless him. You know, 
We were dragging him, kicking and screaming out the 60s at Low Water Street. You know, brilliant. He's forever doing a new thing. And the reality is, friends, that the new thing doesn't contradict the old thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. It'll never undermine the things that are rooted and grounded that make us what we are as Christians and Bible-believing church. But God is forever shifting. In the New Testament, there's two words for time. There's the word chronos, chronology, days, seasons, seconds, moments. But there's also the word kairos. The word kairos, friends, really is speaking not so much of chronology, but of a significant moment of God breaking in and doing something new. And we are in a kairos moment. We're in a moment, friends, where God wants to break in and do something new. And it draws a response from us that we would prepare our minds for action. Those of you that know the epistles will know that Peter wrote one and two, Peter specifically to believers that were being opposed to the faith. He says in chapter 1 and verse 1, to God's elect strangers in the world, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, etc. They were people, friends, that weren't finding that the Christian life was a walk in the park. But they also were being encouraged not to be determined by their circumstances or their situation, but to see what God wanted to do. The reality is that Arena Church is not a dwelling church. You know, if my dad came in here, and maybe he will one day, maybe we'll get him in, in, you know, he'll say, there's lots of young people in the church. Yeah. You know, and I can remember when I went to that, dad, you know, it was even before Peter Dewar, you know, I mean, it was way back, you know. It's not a dwelling church. Sorry, Peter, if you got that on tape. But he wants to embrace all that God's got for us now. And the reality is, and we've said it so many times, that is completely built on honoring the, all that God has done in the past, but not determined by the past. To release us, friends, into all that God's got to touch this day and generation. And this simple exhortation comes to us in this season of our church, both personally and collectively as a community of believers, that we, therefore, and verses 3 to 12 give you the therefore, that God's given us a faith that's much more precious than gold, that's being refined and tried, that it might prove genuine, at the appearing of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, in the light of that amazing faith that he has given us at such a cost, prepare your minds for action. And briefly, friends, I want to give us four don'ts this morning. And it may seem negative, but actually the positives. Remember that chap that worked for George Bush, the defence secretary, Donald Rumsfeld? And he used to say one thing, but he meant another. And then when he tried to say it, was, it's, it sounds a bit like Donald Rumsfeld this morning. Because the four, the four seeming negatives are actually very positive. And I think they will help us to prepare our minds for action. Be different things to different people, but that's the body of Christ. But apply it as the Holy Spirit touches you this morning. Number one, don't be limited. Don't be limited. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 6. I told you I was going to go to different parts of the Bible. The Lord our God said at Horeb, you've stayed long enough at this mountain, break camp, 
and advance into the hill country of the Amorites, the Mansfieldites. Go to all the neighboring peoples of the Arabar in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast. Well, there's more Christian. To the land of the Canaans and the Lebanons, to the great river Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers. Now, Deuteronomy is a book of repeats. And the reason that it's a book of repeats is because the people got it wrong. A journey through the wilderness that should have taken days took years. And I know the old chorus says, the Lord knows the way through the wilderness, all I've got to do is follow. But friends, he doesn't want us to live there forever and ever. There are churches, friends, today that are in the wilderness. They're on a journey that should have taken days Decisions that should have taken days and years later, they've still not made their mind up about it. And normally it's because one person keeps saying no. And we allow them to control the whole direction of where we want to go. So God comes again to the church. Talk about amazing grace. What grace? God could have said, but he comes again to these people a generation later. And Deuteronomy is all about is renewing and restoring and re-emphasizing of the covenant he'd made with his people in the Old Testament. It describes the desert in Deuteronomy 1.19 as a vast and dreadful place. And that's what it is. And God, friends, wants us to come through it to the other side. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. Break camp. In this context, it was geographic, but to us, it's cardiographic. What is God saying to our hearts and our minds regarding our walk and our faith with regard to not being limited? You know the story of the lion that was caged for years, 10 paces to the perimeter of the fence. One day, it came along that the lion was going to be released back into the wild. There you go, son. There you go, Lenny. Back into the, back into the wild. And the reality was that the lion had got so used to only going 10 paces to the perimeter of the fence that even though the whole wild was open to him, that's only as far as he went. And brothers and sisters, the tendency for all of us as Christians at times is to only go 10 paces. To only go to the edge of the cage that God's not erected. So somebody else has. So somebody else has. Rather than going into all the purposes and plans that God has got for our lives. I'm... Of the opinion, friends, that the enemy is seeking to continually limit my life. He's continually seeking to put bars up saying, you can't go any further. And God's saying, you stayed at this camp long enough, break camp. Here's four things with regard to not being limited. Number one, break camp is a decision. It's a decision. It's a decision. And maybe you've got to make a decision today, so I'm going to break camp. I'm going to move into all that God's got for me. Number two, God. There was a direction. God leading us. Now, we always want not only the go, but God, where's it all going to end up? Ha ha. No, I don't work like that. Because that's not faith. God says, go. And he brings from us a response that says, we trust you, Lord, to take us where you want to take us. Number three, see, verse eight. In other words, a vision. Now, I'm a great believer in leaders having vision, but here's the truth, friends. Vision is not the preserve of leadership. God wants every one of us, and here's the definition for vision, to have an inspired look over our lives 
that leads to inspired action. He wants you to have a vision of what he wants to do in your life. An inspired look that sees what God is doing that leads to inspired action to implement his purpose. Fourthly, take possession. Take all that God has got for our lives. Christian said recently, there's more towns in us. There's more communities in us. There's more situations in us, friends. And you know, the more we step into what God's got for us, the more he begins to break open that he's got more. And we need to break camp. Don't be limited. Don't be limited by your inferiority. Don't be limited by your insecurity. Don't be limited by, you've never done it that way before. Don't be limited by, that's not my gift. Don't be limited by timidity. Friends, let's not be limited, but let's press through and prepare our minds for action. Number two, don't be intimidated. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. And as we've hit this season, Christians made a number of references to Joshua because he'd been reading it through the summer. And there in Joshua chapter 1, there's a number of things about meditating on the word and every place where the feet of souls of your feet shall tread, I'll give to you. But there's that little phrase in verse 9. Do not be terrified. This is to this is to God's people. Do not be terrified. See, the Kairos moment can be terrifying in the natural. And that's why most folks push it back. But don't be intimidated. Let me just say this, friends. It's always the enemy who is the intimidator. God does not operate in the purposes of his kingdom over our lives or over your life by intimidation. It is not the spirit of the Lord. In fact, the intimidation that's come to my life over years of ministry, and I say it carefully, and I know I'm on tape, I reckon both in and out of the church has often been demonic in its source. Because that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. Intimidation, friends, is not of the kingdom of God. God fuels our lives, friends, with his passion for us, his love for us, his grace for us. Does he discipline us? Yeah, because we're his sons and daughters, Hebrews 12. But he'll never intimidate us into doing his purposes. It's the enemy. And let me give you, and I'm just going to bullet point these, three expressions of intimidation that I see in the Bible. And they're relevant to all of us. Number one, intimidation will seek to thwart victory. 1 Samuel 17, 44, David is confronting a giant. There was a bloke that paid for Pakistan the other day, seven foot tall. Well, add another two and a bit foot on and you've got Goliath. He was a big guy. David was a teenager. They tried to kit him out in armor. He says, I'm not going with that. I'm going in the power of the Lord. He got five stones from the brook. And Goliath says, come here. I'm going to feed you to the birds. Right on the edge of victory. But the enemy doesn't lay down, friends. Right when we think we're just there. Come here, Christian. You're never going to make it, mate. Mansfield's going to be an absolute disaster. Some of that stuff went through him last week. 
to get us to last Sunday night for him to preach so well, to have a great service. But he pressed through because, friends, the enemy forever seeks to thwart the victory in our lives. We just think the victory is just, you know, God. Now, sometimes we feel intimidated. But we step forward in the power of God. Number two, intimidation will seek to stop destiny. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 3. Remember, we did it at the beginning of the year. They were halfway to building the wall. And the guys came along and said, Ha! If a fox ran on this water, break it down. Intimidation. But remember, don't stop me now. Don't stop me now. Because we're going to build this wall. And I want to tell you, friends, destiny is an overused word. But there is destiny all over people's lives in this room this morning. This 9 o'clock service. It's not a precursor to 11. It's not a warm-up. You are here this morning in the purpose and will of of God to hear what God wants to do over your life. There is destiny all over this room and the enemy seeks to stop destiny by saying whatever you're trying to build just something tiny will just knock it down knock it flat. Intimidation. And thirdly friends, intimidation robs us of security. 1 Kings chapter 18, prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah, whoo. I'll take them on. And uh, he had a bit of a joke and a laugh with him. He says, perhaps you need to shout a bit louder. He may have gone on holiday. Or as one translation said, he might have gone to the toilet. You know, and there was all this going off. And they got more and more intense and more and more crazy. And absolutely nothing happened. But the contest was that the God that answers by fire, he's the God everybody's going to serve. So Elijah says, well, let's make it a bit harder. So he doused the, the altar in water. And then he prayed a prayer. And there's that amazing verse in 1 Kings 18. It says, then the fire of the Lord fell. And the people says, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That's revival. That's revival. And then 1 Kings 19. Jezebel. She starts breathing uh, intimidatory threats towards Elijah. And it's not long before he's under the juniper tree and says, I wish I'd never been born. Wish I'd never been born. He got intimidated. Oh, Jezebel's spirit. Well, we could go there for a million years, but we'll move on. But it seeks to rob us of our security in God. James 4, 8, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Friends, whatever God is stirring in our hearts at the moment... Don't be intimidated. Number three, don't be dehydrated. In John chapter 7 and verses 37 to 39, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit with whom those who believed in him were later to be received. And of course, the outworking of the power of the Spirit, confirming the death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus, was expressed in Acts chapter 2, Acts 2.33. It confirmed that Jesus was back in the Father's house, at the Father's right hand, exalted in the heavens. The Spirit of God poured out into the earth. And one of the symbols of the Spirit is... 
water. My youngest brother Simon's running the Robin Hood half marathon this morning. I texted him last night. So Simon, all the best. Yeah, I says, under two hours, mate. Under two. Well, I don't know about that, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's, uh, he sort of asked me to join him on occasions. I said, no, no, I'm in church. I can't do half marathon. That's my excuse. I'm sticking to it, you know. If you saw me puffing and panting trying to do three or four miles on a treadmill in the gym, you'd realize that 13 miles is a long way. 13.1 miles, friends. It's getting warm out there. He's going to need to hydrate somewhere along the way. He's going to need to take some water in. And knowing him, he'll probably try and get round all the way without having a drink. But boy, when he's finished, he's going to be ready for some water. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 that we are to be being filled with the Spirit. This is not a denominational message, friends. This is a message to all believers that we need to continually be filled with the Spirit of God. We need to continually hydrate with the water of the Spirit. We need to come again and again and again. On those weeks as Christian led us in worship where sometimes things have come that have perturbed us, that have uh, come to our family life, that have erupted at work, things that have come out of the blue, that we come on a Sunday, we, 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 we draw on the blessing of being with others, the guys leading in, his, in worship to the heart of God, and we drink again of the Spirit of God. Be being filled with the Spirit. You are not meant to go on this journey without a continual intake of the water of the Spirit. And if you'll prepare your minds for action, you'll continually drink. And fourthly, as I close, don't be isolated. Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas are called for the work that the Holy Spirit had separated them unto. And so the missionary journeys began. At the end of the first missionary journey in Acts chapter 14, it says these words in verse 26. They sailed back to Antioch where they, com- they, they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had been completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. If you've been around Christian for long enough, you'll hear him repeat one of his favorite phrases and it's this. And in a small meeting context midweek, he said it again this week. Here it is. I love the church and I love this church. I love the church and I love this church. And brothers and sisters, here's the truth. If we are to be anything for God, we're not going to do it in isolation. We've got to be connected to a local group of believers. Paul and Barnabas, with apostolic authority, didn't go and do their own thing. We still have people, friends, that ring us, phone us, want to come and preach at your church, want to come through, we're on ministry. What's the local church you belong to? Ooh, didn't think you would ask me that question. Trawling around the world on six messages, no accountability, No submission to anybody. What if something goes wrong in our church? Who do we talk to? And friends, with that sort of person, that's when things go wrong. 
That's when they say the wrong thing. That's when they're inappropriate in the way they address people. That's when things go wrong downstairs in conversation. That's when somebody says, someone so-and-so tapped me up for money. That's when all those things happen. When somebody's trawling around, disconnected from the body of Christ. And so God's given a universal church. And in Europe, friends, the enemy would seek to intimidate us into believing that the church is going into oblivion. It is not true. And from the northeast of Scotland to the southwest of England and the west coast of Ireland to the east coast of England today, all over the place are vibrant communities of God's people gathering together, sometimes in the face of of a a, a gale and a storm that stands against everything that we believe in to worship the living God. I said to Sharon, I'm not going to mention this pastor, whatever his name is in America, but here we're going. All I'll say about him, he had his 15 minutes of glory. I think he was completely naive. But I just wonder, friends, I better be careful, that if there were burning Bibles in Saudi Arabia this week, whether the President of the United States would be on the telly saying we shouldn't do it. And America, friends, was not built on the freedom of all religions. It was built on pilgrim fathers that loved God with a passion and established the nation on the biblical truths of the word of God. That's how it built. That's how it built. In the face of everything we stand for, just put the news on this morning, they've wheeled out Dr. Ewan Harris, militant atheist, speaking against the Pope's visit. Whatever you think about the Pope's visit, I got an email through this weekend saying, can we send this all around to the region about the Pope's visit? No, we can't. You know, no, we can't. Whatever you think about that, friends, the reality is that God is building his church. I say this for no self-boast, but just to make you aware. But on Thursday, I fly out to Uganda for two and a bit weeks in connection and relationship and friendship with my friend Gavin Williams and his wife Glenda from Australia who will be with us at the end of October, to do some leadership training schools in that nation. I do it under the authority of this church. I do it with absolute accountability to the local leadership of this church. I'm not doing my own thing. I'm not talking about philpineministries.com. I'm not doing any of that. I'm serving this church. I'll talk about Arena Church. I'm part of Arena Church. I'm part of the Arena leadership of Arena Church. I submit to you. If anything goes wrong, you talk to the leaders at Arena Church. That's how it works. That's how it works. And now when I come back, friends, I will report back to the leaders what's taking place. Don't be isolated. Don't be isolated. It's not about independence. It's about interdependence. And God says that his church is beautiful, so much so that the only word he could come up for it was bride. Bride. And he loved the church and gave himself for it. And God says church is beneficial. Ephesians 4, 16, when we're all working together, every joint finding its place, it's an amazing thing. So brothers and sisters, in this great season of our church, at this nine o'clock service, As we speak out the word of the Lord, God says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. The call, because of the cause, is all over this church. Different giftings, different talents, different emphases, different expressions. But remember today, don't be limited. Because God's always got more. 
Don't be intimidated. Because the Lord's with us. Don't be dehydrated. Take a drink on the journey. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Don't be isolated. As we move forward together in the purposes of God. That's a great church, friends. That's the purposes of God. And all of us can be part of it.